Hello and welcome to an hour from Tower Podcast, the podcast that brings you the people and personalities of the College of St. Scholastica. Excited about today's conversation because we're going to talk about some of the things that I love the most, which is sports and football. <laughs> but here with our head football coach, Coach Mike Heffernan. Coach Heff, glad to have you here today. Appreciate it, Nate. Thank yeah, you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Mike, his only, coach's only downfall is that he's a Bears fan, but we'll talk about that later. We'll get into that. So, right. um, so, Coach, as we do with all the podcasts, we start off with kind of tell us about your journey here today. Um, I know this is kind of a second stint for you at St. Scholastica, but talk a bit about you know your journey. What Where, where are you from? How did you end up here? Kind of your journey here. Yeah, so um, originally from Chicagoland area, from the northwest suburbs. Um, obviously played football, uh, wanted to go to school and play football. So I ended up going to Illinois State, uh, played football there for two years, um, ended up having an experience, uh, which was my first uh, semi-adult experience where uh, I didn't take care of business in the classroom, and I lost my scholarship, and I ended up in an intimate Division three institution um, shortly after my uh, community college stint back home. So I was about as excited to be home as my parents were about as excited for me to be home. So um, got my act together, got my grades uh, back to where they needed to be and ended up at an intimate Division three college just outside Chicago. Wasn't far from home. Um, ended up falling back in love with football. Had an awesome experience. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And because of that experience and that experience pretty much... Uh, alone is the reason why I wanted to coach college football. And um, so decided I needed to get into college football. It was pretty easy because I had um, a year of schooling after my eligibility because of my short shortfalls early on in my academic career. And um, so I was a student assistant for my last year and realized it's really what I wanted to do. I, I, I missed being a part of a team, missed being a part of a program. Um, and so I decided that's what I was going to do. I didn't know where to start, didn't know where to go. Um, so I jumped at my first graduate assistant job, and that took me from Chicagoland area to South Dakota. Um, I sold my Volvo that had 287,000 miles on it and uh, bought a uh, pickup truck because I could fit a Rubbermaid dresser and a mattress in there and packed my stuff and moved to South Dakota. I, I was there for a little bit. and. Um, had an opportunity to then go from South Dakota to uh, Wisconsin, kind of bounced around, and then I ended up at UW-Stevens Point, and we had um, a great year uh, in fall of 2008. We won conference championship and or shared the title, and then had an opportunity to come here to St. Scholastic for the first time, and that was... 2009 so the second year of the program yeah. yeah and uh so and then you know you were away for a bit and, and came back talk about that thought process of coming back i mean a lot of times i think what i've seen over the course of my career is you know small division three coaches like this either they're all in and they spend gobs of time <laughs> at those institutions or you know they're looking for you know saturdays on tv right the big time programs you left for a bit. You ended up coming back. Why the drawback? Um, well, I left because my career goals and ambitions were to become a big-time Division One, highest-level offensive line coach. Offensive line play is what I fell in love with, and that's what I did early on, and that just kind of cultivated that. And I had a I have about a four-page spreadsheet that I used for a long time, and it was every job at every single level and every responsibility to get me to where I wanted to be. And if I checked all the boxes off, then there's no reason why I shouldn't be where I am whenever that time came. So that's what I was doing. I was checking boxes. Yeah. And um, we were lucky to be really successful here early on, and I was lucky to be uh, part of the program with uh, Greg Carlson, the inaugural head football coach who's now in our Hall of Fame. And I just was – a complete sponge and didn't realize how valuable that time was right until I left um, and everywhere I left was a positive move it was uh, on the resume it was yep makes sense yep makes sense it, it wasn't hard defending a, a position change or or a move when I was applying for new jobs or interviewing for new jobs um, so every every step I took was just one step further one step further and you know if I could be a position coach at the Division II level, then I didn't necessarily have to check off the box to be a coordinator at the Division III level and so forth. So I would go back and forth, and that's what I was doing. And um, got to scholarship level. I had made my way all the way out to New Hampshire, um, and I was a offense coordinator at the Division II level. Um, 
you know, I was recruiting in different states, different areas, which is highly valuable, obviously, in college football. So I was doing what I set out to do. It was a new network and uh, great experience, great institution. Um, people I worked for were good people. Um, it's, But in the meantime of all those travels and all of those experiences, I got married and had kids. And um, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in the most positive way because for the first time in my life – there was something more valuable and more important than football. Yeah. And um, not that that took away from my job or my passion for football because there's there's room in all of it, um, but uh, that last December that I spent recruiting there, for, for people who don't know, uh, that's a um, – especially Division two, Division three. that's a, a huge piece of your time that you spend on the road. While well, I was recruiting out of state – um, but, and then also that was also our time for official visits. So I, w- I was out of state. I'd, I would fly out of town and I'd fly back in Friday and I might grab some guys that were there for official visits and then they'd come to campus for an official visit and we'd do the whole, the whole deal for their official visit. And then I'd drive back to the airport, drop them off for their flight and I'd get on my flight and I'd go back to New Jersey. Right. Yeah. So, um, the ultimate kind of tipping point was, you know, I saw my kids four times in the month of December to include Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And um, that's, that's part of it. That's not like a, oh, poor me. That's, that's, that is what it is, right? Um, but for me at that point in my life, it was, that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I, it's not that I didn't want to do football. It's not that I didn't want to continue to strive for what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. But um, I just, I realized there was something else. Yeah. And um so I talked with my wife, and she was the only one um, that knew besides whomever it is upstairs that I was thinking about this, and this is what I wanted to do, and, yeah. and um, I was pretty sure of it. I think she was uh, more worried I was going to get out of college football altogether yeah. uh, just because it wasn't, it wasn't what I had anticipated. And for almost 10 years at that point, every step that I took and everything we did, I was, I was pretty aware of and, and was able to anticipate much of what I thought it was going to be. So, um, anyway, uh, put some feelers out there to get back to the Midwest. Uh, a lot of my contacts were all in the Midwest cause that's where I spent most of my career. Um, and as I started to do that, it, it wasn't, um, a week later, six days later that, um, I got a phone call from, um, probably three different alum and from a um, fellow staff member here at the college and that there were possibly changes happening within the football program and um, they wanted to see if I'd be interested in coming back. Um, I, I, at the time, I did not think it would be a good move for me um, just because resume-wise, I had already been there. There's nothing else that, you know, I, I could have done besides come back and be the head coach. And yeah. um, we were in the situation where we had an interim head coach. And, and uh, so my initial reaction was, no, yeah. I'm not interested. And yeah. then um, after that, it was like, why am I thinking about leaving here? And it had nothing to do with where my resume was going. It was everything, it had everything to do with being able to spend time with my family. Yeah. Um so I ultimately made, made the decision that I was going to come uh, back to San Scalasca and because I knew that I could be a good football coach and I knew that um, it would allow me to have time to spend with my family. Um, at least I knew how I could maneuver that or I knew how I could manage that. Um, so I came back. And the funny part is, is, is the biggest draw and the biggest difference was was when I came back, it, it yes, like I knew that that we could win some games. I knew that um, I kind of knew the ins and outs of, of of how we needed to recruit, and I mean everything from on campus visits to how to get you know fleet vehicles for when we hit the road recruiting. Like all of that was super easy because I'd already done that for so long. Yeah. But um, when I came back, and I didn't recognize it until I was actually here, feet on the ground, is that the entire time that I was moving and taking a different job or or um, you know, going to the next level or taking on more responsibilities or just checking boxes on my list, um, it the feeling I found out or that I finally realized was that the thing that I was missing was not the next because I was never really fulfilled the next. Mm-hmm. The, the feeling that I was missing was here. Mm-hmm. And 
when I say that, it's, you know, a lot of that comes with our, you know, our short time of a lot of success, you know, when we started the program or when I was fortunate enough to join. Um, but I, for whatever reason, it was, you know, I already had a community of friends here um, and they were starting their families. And um, it, it, it was unlike any other move because we already knew where we were going to live, right? right? So we, we, I mean, for example, I, accept, I, I accepted the job. Um, my wife had visited here a couple times, but we were not married or um, engaged at that time. Yeah. So, but she was familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so I took the job. Her and I flew to O'Hare, dropped my kids off with my parents, <laughs> and then we drove from O'Hare to Duluth. Wow. And um, on our way up, we found out about the uh, blizzard warning or the storm warning that was coming <laughs> the next day. And our two-day trip turned into about... 15 hours yeah. and because uh, we had to be out of here before yeah. the storm got here yeah. so uh, we woke up and we got in got in Duluth at like 3 a.m woke up you know woke up by 7 a.m and we were looking at places uh, to live and we never would have been able to do that right. if if we didn't know exactly where we wanted to live yeah, and so the place that we wanted we ended up getting yeah. um, and then you know we 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 go full, full, full force forward. We pack everything up, and then there's two nor'easters that hit the, you know, the northeast in, you know, two weeks. So it was like, are we supposed to be doing this? Is this, yeah, right, is, this yeah. is this a, a sign? Yeah, is this a sign? And uh, um, I, I put my family on a, on a plane, and they flew to Chicago, and um, I jumped in the giant U-Haul and drove it through Jump Pennsylvania and a nor'easter, and and so yeah, so so everything that 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 brought us back here, uh, ended up realizing it was more than just the job. It yeah. was, it was, it, it was everything to do with Saints Glasgow, the community, the people that I worked with. Um, so yeah, so it ended up, ended up being much more than just a career move. Yeah. There's so much that you say there that I could ask questions about. The one thing that just, that jumps out at me is you talk about, you know, taking this position because you want more time with your family. I mean, I, in my short time here, you know, have seen how you run <laughs> and the time you devote to the program. It's crazy to think what you were devoting before, <laughs> mm-hmm. given what you do now. But how do you, because I think a lot of people think, well, they're coaches. They show up on a Saturday. They coach a football game. You know, they mm-hmm. run practices, and that's what they do. But, you know, especially at Division three level, I mean, you're a – you're a fundraiser. You're a you're a coach. You're a, a therapist. You're a academic advisor. You're mm-hmm. you're all of these different things. How do you manage the crush of all of that mm-hmm. with your family commitments? You have a young family that you're trying to nurture and be a dad to. Like I I'm always curious how because I manage it a certain way and have managed it a certain way over my career. I'm interested in how you do that. Yeah. So I think the um, the best thing I've done is uh, taken in. Everywhere I've been, schedules, how we schedule, mm-hmm. and just learned what I liked and picked what I liked. And mm-hmm. now being the head coach, I get to set that schedule. Mm-hmm. So um, I worked for um, uh, several people that they didn't have young families, so that wasn't a priority, and that's okay. Yeah. And um, But whether I have a young family or an old family, it's still going to be a priority to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's you know, communication goes a long way. So I try to be as organized as possible mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I make mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes and I can always get better, but it, the more organized I am, then the easier it is for the staff and the easier it is for, for our athletes, yeah. which in turn makes it easier for me to be able to go home or for me to turn it off. Or, you know, I'd be lying if I said I'm able to turn it off. I can never turn it off. Yeah. It's, it's, it's now over, you know, it's almost 15, 15 years now that, um, I've just learned to manage it better, yeah. and my my children being in the office, like any opportunity I have, they're going to be there. And you know, we have I have whiteboard walls in my office for game planning, and and right now half the time it's houses and characters, and I got a box of Legos, you know, in my yeah. office. So yeah. if I, you know, my kids can come and be there, great. But they're you know they try and outside of their own sports, they try to be at every practice, and yeah. um, within our coaching staff, you know, we'll do. You know, what a lot of people don't know is, you know, we're putting in almost 100 hours each week during the season. And, you know, instead of, you know, I, I tried going home for dinner and then coming back because, you know, I I promised my staff and I promised to myself and my kids that I'm either going to see them for breakfast or I'm going to see them for dinner. Yeah. Um, and so if I can't see them for breakfast, um, 
then I'm going to make sure I'm home for dinner yeah. or they can yeah. come join us for dinner. So yeah. we've done it where the staffs and their families come in and we have dinner with them in the BWC or, you know, um, you know, we all meet somewhere and then we go back to work yeah. or you just go home and have dinner and you come back to work. Yeah. But it never, it never really ends. I just, I try to make sure that I am efficient as I, as I most possibly can. Yeah. And, um, diligent in my organization so that when I when I go home I don't have to bring it unless unless I'm contacted yeah you know so this may be a question that gets you in trouble because sure. wives listen to this too but sure. I, I've heard you talk about kind of this you know being organized and diligent you talk yeah. about it with recruits you talk about how you know the program we'll talk a little bit more about the program yeah uh, in a moment but you know you say there's a lot there's a saying don't sweat the small stuff you say i sweat the small stuff yes. right yeah very much do you do that at home too or i mean is there times where your wife would be like why don't you why aren't you organized at home like you are at work my wife tells me a lot of time like why why aren't you that intense at home like yeah. with things it, is do you, do you do you find those worlds clashing sometimes yeah i, I it, it you know it it comes out in ways where, where my wife will be like, you know, um, I'm not one of your players, you know, because I'll, <laughs> yeah. well, like, what do you mean, you know? And, and um, or, you know, all, all my children, um, you know, you know, they'll say, you know, oh, you know, dad uses coaching voice, you know, <laughs> that, you know, that must mean it's stern or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So um, I'm, I am extremely organized at home because my wife is extremely organized uh-huh. and, you know, she was a, um, all Big Ten basketball player mm-hmm. at University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. So she she understands. She gets it. Uh, she is a independent, strong woman that I admire and look up to. And what she is able to do with our children and at home, yeah. it makes it really easy for me to be unorganized yeah. at home yeah. or yeah. or just do my normal stuff. Yeah. Um, so it clashes, but it clashes it, it clashes in ways where I'm like I have to put myself in check yeah. because yeah. you know it doesn't. I'm not worried about my kids staying behind the line in, in sprints, right? It's it's Kids are going to be kids, and they're yeah. going to do things, and, yeah. and they're going to learn from them just like my kids here. But um, it's just different, and sometimes I have to – I have to separate a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I just laugh only because we've had a lot of those same conversations as well. You know, yeah. I mean, um, and, and I, the little I know of your wife and just watching her at games and things like that, yeah, it's fantastic. It's amazing how the good Lord puts – those types of partners in your life. Mm-hmm. And I know you have one, I have one as well. It's, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah. Talk about live the standard. Yeah. It's, you talk about that a lot. It's kind of your program model. Tell me tell me what yeah. that means. Yeah, so our program philosophy is live the standard. And um, what that means and the definition for us is we're going to work to exceed all average expectations in everything that we do. Um, and that could mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. That could mean a lot of stuff all at once, or that could mean I'm just going to try and get better at one thing today. Um, whatever it is in our program, the expectation and standard is always going to rise. And sometimes, you know, you might have to take two steps back to take one big step forward and that's okay. We're going to recognize that, but we are always going to work to get better. Um, and for, you know, for some of our guys, that's, you know, like you've heard me say, that's not hitting snooze twice. Um, for some of our guys, that's, you know, being a starter for some of our guys, that's, you know, breaking a school record because they're a fourth year starting tailback or whatever that may be. So um, everybody's in their own spot and um, everybody has their um, own things that they're working at. And it's, it's okay. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, right? Things are going to be hard. There's going to be adversity, but you have to be willing to keep working. And um, the better you do, the more expectations you should have because once you get complacent, right, that's yeah. when things don't don't go your way. Yeah, so you walked into a program, speaking of this, you walked into a program when you came back the second time that was yep. really kind of in shambles. We don't get, we won't get into those details. Sure. I said it, you didn't have to say sure. it, right? Yep. So now you're building that program back, yep. and you've just happened two years ago to enter into probably one of the more premier Division three football conferences in the country yep. in the MIAC. How has that base of live the standard help you achieve what you've done thus far? Because I see it as a football guy. I watch what's going on with the program and seeing yeah. these seeds that are starting to sprout now. And yeah. Like this horizon that's really, really bright. How yeah. has that live the standard been important as you've built this program back to respectability, really? Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, it's it's a... Um, it was a blessing in disguise because, you know, where do you start with the standard, right? Where's, where's the bar? Where's the, 
you know, where are the expectations? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when, when we are fielding a team that is, you know, 90% all true freshmen a couple of years ago, yeah. I mean, you know, we started over. And, yeah. and again, my experience here the first time, uh, being, being a part of that first year, second year program uh, really helped us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, live the standard because it can always change and it can always evolve and it's always going to. Um, it led to the flexibility of, all right, there's something that we can create for each guy that's tangible that they can hold on to, they can they can strive for, and they'll meet that, and then we can raise the bar and it's something else. Yeah. Um, that's that's how we've used it. And it's, yeah. you know, that's for the classroom, that's on the football field, that's, you know, there may be relationships, that's maybe – um, you know, how they deal with a significant other, uh, all of those things, it's all encompassing. And then we built off of that. Yeah. So we have lived the standard and, and that's our program philosophy that will never change. Right. That's, that's, that's just what it is. Yeah. And then we have our three pillars off of that. And now we're taking it to the next step, which I believe we're ready for. And we're going to continue to work on that. So, um, it's, it's, it's all these layers that you, once you feel like you get to, you can start stack stacking these things. Yeah. And, and um, because now it's, it's, it's as easy as my guys hear our program philosophy, sometimes on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis. And yeah. they hear the three pillars of our program, and that's going to be on our I, – I might message the whole team. We're going to talk about it at practice. Whatever the case may be, it's in front yeah. because we're going to be really good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those are the things that we're focusing on. Well, and then you take the skills, again, that you know you and I have learned – playing the sport of football, mm. layer on top of that, this live the standard notion, and these, those are skills you can utilize when you're 50, 60, 70 years old, right? In your, in your career, your your relationships, yes. your everything, yeah. right? So it's, yeah. you know, it's it's interesting how that, you know, it's seen as just a sport, but, you know, it, it ends up being so much more, especially for a lot of student-athletes that come to places like Scholastica. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, I I say this to parents, it's it's... We are teaching life lessons using the platform of football. Yeah, that's what it's been for me. That's what it's always been. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but now you know I reflect, or you, you know, something happens, and you're like, oh my gosh, right? I'm, I'm, I'm able to handle this because of this. How are those academic shortcomings that you talk about? Yeah. <laughs> how has that helped you become a better football coach and mentor to the young men that are under your your care? Yeah, I, I, I you know, I. For me, I never felt like I never felt as if I had a problem being vulnerable in front of my players. I, I never, as a position coach, as a coordinator, that was never something that I had an issue with. Yeah. Um, and I think I know that being able to be vulnerable and tell them exactly what my experience was and what those experiences were. And how it affected me, and how it affects me now, and 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 whatever that may be that I've gone through, um, they need to learn from my mistakes, right? Because that's that's all part of it too, right? So they don't there there's things that they don't have to experience because I've already experienced it, and now it is this, you know, it's this you know pot of gold that hey, all right, here's my experiences, here's guys that went through this, that, or the other that I've already coached. Here's somebody that's been exactly in your situation, and these are ways that they dealt with X, Y, and Z. So, you know, the longer you're in it, that pot of gold gets bigger and bigger, and you just you just try and share. Yeah. And, you know, not no, no two situations or two people are the same, yeah. but they can always steal something from one another yeah. um, that can be useful. And... Um, I just it just never bothered me and 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 as a player and you can remember as an athlete that you know you know when a coach is holding back or you know when a coach is faking it or you know when a coach and I just I always felt like if 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 I'm gonna if I'm gonna say something or I'm gonna do something then then I need to be able to do it first yeah. it's no different when my first coaching job, I coached safeties. I was a 330-pound defensive tackle, right? So, and I'm coaching safeties. Well, guess what? I wanted to learn how to backpedal yeah. and t-stop yeah. so that I can teach these guys because that's how I'm going to gain their respect, and that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I just, you know, you you got to walk the walk. Yeah, you know. I think that genuineness. Uh, one of the best compliments I think I can give you, and I, I've heard it about me as well from time to time, is yeah. that genuineness makes. People want to be around you. Sure. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I I joke when I get in front of the parents when I'm able to come to your football recruiting days, and I'm like, I 
there's a beauty in hearing you talk, but on the flip side, like I'm ready to suit up again, right? right. I, I, I would I would want to play for you as a coach. Have you always been that way? Have you always been able to motivate people? Is that is it something that, that you've learned or has that been inherent? Have people told you that your entire life? What, what does that look like? Um, I've, I've always, for good reasons or bad reasons, <laughs> I've always been a leader in some way. Yeah. Um, it's just been cultivated through my own mistakes, yeah. right? So yeah. um, I was always a captain, you know, okay. um, it, but I can I could remember leading in, in a negative way or a yeah. way that I know that, that I probably didn't get what I wanted out of my teammates because of what I was saying or what I was doing. And then there's times that, you know, um, in college that I was, you know, it's, it's fourth and one or fourth and two and we need to stop them to win the game. And yeah. I turn around and look at every single one of my teammates and I tell them, you know, in every which way you can probably think of that we're going to stop them yeah. right here, right now. And we're not taking anything less. And, yeah. and, and we did. So, you know, um, it's always, it's always been something, it's always been something I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted the weight on my shoulders mm. and, I think that's because I never had the ball in my hand. I was always an offensive lineman and mm-hmm. defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to make the game-winning catch or pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've actually never scored a touchdown in my entire yeah, football career. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's how I dealt with that. Yeah. Um, and and it, it kind of evolved into what it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think now is a byproduct of me not being able to do it the right way early on. Yeah. Um, that's how – I mean, that's how I look at it, and that's how I – because I'm always trying to get better. Yeah. There's always things to improve on. Yeah. But um, it's so interesting. There's so many similarities there. I think <clears throat> for me as well, which you know is probably I, you're one of those kindred spirits. I think you meet people on the sure, way. Where right, it's like, right. Oh, did we meet somewhere along the sure. ethos at some point? Mm-hmm. But a lot of those things there. One of the questions I was I was thinking about asking you today is, you know, I've coached my kids in youth sports and things like that. Yeah. Um, but again, not coming from a coaching perspective, like there's a there's a certain I don't know there's a certain relationship or feeling. You you I don't know if you coach your your kids. I know they're involved in sports as well. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've coached any of them, but certainly as a coach, watching someone else coach, mm-hmm. how is that phenomenon for you? Is that easy just to separate and be like, yeah, I know what it's like to be criticized as a coach or questioned or have parents on you or student athletes on you that you're able to just step back, or is that challenging? watching someone else coach when you're a coach, watching somebody else do what you do. Right. I, you know, it's a good question. I, I, I do not coach my children. Um, I would love to, um, but I don't think it would be best for them. Um, so the hardest thing for me is not necessarily seeing somebody else coach my kids. Um, it's, it's just, I want to do it, you know? (laughs) And, um, I find myself um, having to, having to reflect on what I'm about to say or or um, how it comes across because I never want them to feel like I'm disappointed. Yeah, and I'm never disappointed. I'm I'm only trying to help. Yeah. And early on, I could see where my because my oldest, you know, it would seem like. I, hey, you know, why don't you try this in your swing or why don't you do this? Or, well, if you're being told what you should always try over and over again, it's that's not productive. It's not going to help. Right. So um, that was early on. And then it was like, well, you know, a red blinking light goes off in your head, just like any parent or, or any coach. Like, all I'm saying is things that, that, that somebody should do better. Yeah. That's not, yeah. that, you're not teaching them anything. Yeah. Um, so that's the most difficult part. Yeah. The the other thing is is I have so much... I have um, so much admiration for youth coaches who devote their time yep. to help these kids fall in love with the sport, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that, you know, it's somebody's a youth coach because nobody else will do it and they have time, so they do it. Mm-hmm. And then there's sometimes that, um, which can be a great experience, and then there's some that there's parents that really genuinely want to make sure that this baseball team falls in love with baseball yeah. or this this basketball team falls in love with basketball and um, i i've been very lucky that my children have had really good coaches mm-hmm. and for me it has nothing to do with technique or you know it's learning the game yeah. and and finding the love of the game yeah. and and that's that's what's most important yeah. and yeah. for us 
unfortunately, a lot of times at the college level, a lot of that is just taken for granted, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because we're at this point and, and, and these student athletes are at of this age and um, I try and I try and keep that in mind because that can get lost really easily. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you weren't coaching football, what would you be doing? I honestly I'd probably be I don't know. <laughs> I think um, I think I'd probably be building houses or you know, I, I always grew up wanting to be a garbage man, so maybe I'd be a garbage man. <laughs> well, your background, your education's in exercise phys, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yep. So, yeah, so I originally wanted to become a strength conditioning coach, yep. um, and then I didn't have my teammates anymore. Yeah. I was kind of lost in this month of, like, I don't have any brotherhood or sense of community. Yeah. Um, so I, that, that's why I decided football. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, Saints, Glasgow teams aside, because they're all the I'm sure the your favorite teams in your in your head, favorite football team of all time. Of all time, all time. That's a tough one. Hmm, that's a tough one. I had one that I thought would you would say right away, being yes. a Bears fan. Yes, the '85 Bears, right? Yes. Yeah. But when you grow up in Chicagoland area, you got all the Notre Dame teams. Oh, sure, right. You know, you're not you're not you're not growing up being a Northwestern fan uh-huh. or an Illinois fan. Yep. Now I hope that's the way that it was. But when I was in you know when I was a pup yeah. and I was younger, I had the privilege of seeing Northwestern rise and, the, and some of those yeah. Northwestern the Northwestern you know Rose Bowl team and yeah. I mean those years with I mean one of my favorite coaches of all time is Gary Barnett, right? Yeah. I mean that's one of his. Uh, um, I think it's Purple and Pasadena. That's one of my favorite football books, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, '85 Bears, hands down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there were some '90s Bears teams that weren't very good. Yeah. But I loved, I loved watching them just because, uh-huh. you know, you had you had Tom Waddle playing receiver, yeah. and yeah. and uh, I, I I was recruiting Creighton Durham Hall, and uh-huh. and their uh, head coach is a former Chicago Bear quarterback uh-huh. for you know whatever stint that was, uh-huh. and it was like. Uh-huh. Oh man, I, I remember watching you as a kid. I yeah. think I might have even had your jersey. You yeah. Know? So yeah. yeah. So I eighty five Bears. I I mean I would you could say the Bears in general. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, who is the um, because you played? I mean you played really at a high level. Yeah. The, is there anybody famous that we would know that you played against? Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, Brandon Jacobs was running back at Southern Illinois. Yeah. From New York Giants, yeah. running back. Yeah. He was a. I think it was a transfer from Auburn at the okay. time. Uh-huh. He was the number three running back behind Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown. Okay. And then okay. he went to Southern Illinois. Yeah. And Jerry Kill took over that program in yep. Southern Illinois. Yep. And yep. I uh, I believe he was their starting running back. Okay. Um, Rudy Johnson, um, he was in um, the Bengals' hard knock show. Yeah. Uh, he, uh-huh. was, he was a fullback, I think, at Youngstown or okay. Western Kentucky. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, a dude. Yeah. And, um, uh, we played um, Kyle Orton at Purdue. Uh-huh. Um, so there were a handful of you know handful of guys, and the guys I played with that that have been drafted. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, um, probably the most famous, and I and I've uh, forget is um, Tony Romo. Oh, really? He played at Eastern Illinois. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I think mine, right, this little small high school in, in Wisconsin, was Jim Flanagan. So Jim mm. Flanagan played for the for the, uh, for the the Notre Dame and then the Bears. Yep. So he played at Southern Door High School in Wisconsin. Yep. So the story I always tell as a junior, as a high school junior. Yeah. And he was middle linebacker and tailback. Everybody on the team is like five, you know, seven, five, eight, and then yeah. he's six four and, and two forty two, just a huge guy, right? Yeah. Line up ten yards behind the ball, and they give him the ball, and he just run people over, right? Yeah. So he's middle linebacker. I'm guard. We do a screen pass. Yeah. So I'm in there, you know, thousand one, thousand two, right? And I turn out, and I turn and I look, and he's coming like a freight train oh, yeah. right at me, right? And I'm a yeah. hundred and seventy five pound, you know farm kid right right, right. 
So I throw everything I have into him. Yeah. And the next thing I remember, I'm flying backwards. Yeah. And I hit the ground, and I'm able to pick my head up just in time to see him take two stutter steps and go to a knee. And I'm like, nailed ya. <laughs> so I don't know if you're the same way, but I'm like, I yeah. dominated the only NFL player yeah. that I ever played against. So that's, yeah. that's my story. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm no, that's awesome. It. No, like, that's awesome. My kids would laugh at that and be like, yeah. I don't know. No, that's awesome. But I happen to stumble on my... My last high school game on YouTube, really? and my 18-year-old is watching it, yeah. and he's like, Dad, you were awful. And I'm like, well, thanks, kid. Like, I'm supposed to give <laughs> right. you, you right. know, this advice. That's awesome. so, anyway, a lot of fun with that. Yeah, so, yeah, that's great. What are uh, any, You mentioned kind of the coaches, you know, the, the Williams, right? Is it Greg, Greg Williams? Greg Carlson. Or, or Craig Carlson. Yeah. Who, who, are, who are coaches that you admire their coaching? Either maybe that you were coached by or that are coaching now. Who are some of your mentors? Yeah, I you know, I think that um, you know you're always you're always intrigued by the best of the best, right? So um, you know, I think I've I think I've read every Belichick book and Saban yeah. book, and yeah. and you know they they have a lot of similarities and things they do. I you know um, I don't. You know, I don't always agree with everything, and I don't, you know, and, and some of it's great ideas, and some of it's like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, for sure, number one is Greg Carlson because yeah. of my time with him and, and uh, I, you know, how much he gave me and how much he um, allowed me to be hands-on with so much. I never wanted to be a head football coach, to be completely honest. Yeah. And I'll never forget that, um, I think it was after the season, and, you know, coach and I were out to dinner, whatever it may be, and and um, coach said to me, he's like, hey, "Have you ever thought about being a head coach?" And I was like, "Nah." I'm like, "I don't know. I don't think I'm ready for that." Yeah. And you know, I don't know if I want to. Or, and I remember him saying, "You know, you might want to think about that because I think you'd be pretty good." And um, and I was like, "Hmm." And that always kind of stuck with me, but it was never on the radar. Yeah. Um, so uh, definitely him. He 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 gave me. Every it seemed like every two three months he he gave me more and more responsibility and I think by the time I left here I was assistant head coach recruiting coordinator video coordinator strength conditioning coordinator offensive I mean whatever <laughs> it was do, yeah right? <laughs> uh, which was awesome you know and, and and I learned a ton yeah um, but you know the coaches I played for um, you know my head coach that I played for is the head football coach at Carleton okay and uh, so obviously I look up to Tom Jernell. Yeah. Um, he was he was instrumental in, in the defense coordinator Todd Nichols, who I played for um, my last few years in college, uh, were instrumental just because they helped me navigate where I was in my young young life. And and uh, uh, my high school football coach Mike Demadio, he's retired now, but um, everywhere I've been, <laughs> high school, college, it's been a it's been a rebuilding or a brand new, <laughs> or it's always been that scenario. Yeah. Whenever. Whenever and wherever I've been, yeah. and um, so I've been able to take you know take some things. The head football coach that I worked for um, at UW Stevens Point, um, John Mish, he was he I mean won a couple of national championships there, and, yeah. and we won a conference championship. So there was a you know a lot of great things that you know he trusted me with yeah. that uh, I was fortunate to have. But you know I, I anybody that I worked with or worked for, I've taken something from. Yeah. Um, and um, the best advice I ever got, and I don't know who said it or where I read it, or was you, you just have to be yourself. And that was early on. That might have been, you know, uh, Bill Belichick's first book that I ever read. I don't yeah. know. That yeah. it was just like, you just, you know, you need to be yourself. Yeah. And that always really resonated with me. Yeah. And, um, but like Gary Barnett, like what he did at Northwestern was unbelievable. Yeah. Now, yeah. we, I grew up with season tickets Northwestern, so I'm biased, uh-huh. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like you know, I think of, I think of those situations, and I think of those things, um, and 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 that's it. Really draws me to that, right? I'm really, I'm really drawn to the, all right, this is what we got to do, and you know, you know, because for us and for me, it's, it, if it's not hard to do, then it's probably not worth doing. Yeah, right. And um, that's where I, you know, I don't know if it's a, you know blue collar type of thing i don't know what that is to your point of asking what i'd be doing besides you know football yeah. well i i grew up working concrete and yeah. steel and drywall and and you know it, it it always there was always a feeling when the job was done yeah right whether you're yeah. unloading a thousand sheets of drywall yeah. or you 
you know, you started off digging the footing and now the walls are poured and you're stripping the forms. It was just whatever that fulfillment is. It's just like that, that was done with my blood, sweat and tears. And, um, you know, that's, those are typically the coaches I, I gravitate to, which is typically all of the successful ones because they did something really great somewhere. Right. So, um, they grow up in a farm fam- or not not in a farm family, but on farms too. Like, yeah, the satisfaction of getting that hay wagon emptied, right, <laughs> right, right. And then, of course, I always say, you know, when you're a lineman, you're the only real football players are the mm. linemen. So there's just something about a lineman mentality too, which is one hundred percent. Lace them up and put your hand in the dirt and go that's after right. it, right? That's I mean, right. That's just kind of the lineman mentality. You have a favorite football movie? I I have a couple. Okay. Yeah. So I you know. Number one is probably Remember the Titans, yeah. and that's easy. Yep. And I'm not trying to, yep. you know, uh, just because of the team building and yep. guys coming together and situation at the time. Yep. Um, my uh, One of my other favorites is Rudy. Yeah. Because... Those two are my top two. I mean... It's closely interchanged. And then, and then there's, you know, and then there's the football movie. You know, one of my top, top three, top four, I don't know where it ranks, yep. is... Uh, um, and you may know this is everybody's all American. I don't know that one. With um, Dennis Quaid, he's the he's the gray ghost from uh, oh, sure. LSU. Yep. Yep. John John Goodman's yep. in there, yep. and there, there's a lot of life things that happen, and yeah. and uh, you know the glory of what football is, and yeah. then you know the hard times, and um, so that so that's a good one. But really, I mean, it's like. You get to June, yeah, July seventh. Yeah. It's pretty much we're yeah, we're you're in your there. You're you're, in yeah, there's football <laughs> movies, NFL networks on, yeah. whatever that yeah. is. It's yeah, it's 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 back to back to back to. So back. you get that itch every. I mean, for you, you're in it. I mean, for me, yeah. I get that itch every year. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. It's 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 you and you'll know what I'm talking about. And people who who played football will know. It's when that the humidity. And the morning dew kind of meets yeah. right after the sun comes up. <laughs> yeah, it's that whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's the smell. I don't know yeah. if it's the. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, down south or out east yeah. or in the Midwest or it's still that. Yep. It's just that feeling. It's that feeling. I, I always tell the story. My high school did two two years in two oh four and oh six, an alum game. High school football alum game, full pads, yeah. all out tackle football. Yeah. I think what he do is punts and kicks, sure. kickoffs. But I said I remember like it's a Friday night under the lights, stands are packed, right? Everybody in the yeah. community's out. But I went down to do push-ups, and yet that face mask hits the grass, and that smell, yeah. right? The grass is a little moist, and that smell of the grass and yes. the helmet because you've been practicing all week. Yeah. It, you flash back to being an 18-year-old again. Yeah. And then I get in my stands, and my high school quarterback, one of the years, is doing the cadence. Cadence I've heard thousands of times, right? Yeah. Immediate flashback. Oh, right? yeah. It was just in those movies, too. Oh, yeah. Rudy, my, my Rudy story is I'm recruiting my first year in Indiana, yep. first year out of school. Yep. And it's before a college fair. Yep. And Rudy's on. I'm sitting on the edge of bed. I realize... I'm getting late for my. I'm mesmerized, right? I've seen it before, but I, I, every time it's on, I'm just I wait to watch the whole thing. But then there's tears rolling down my face because I'm like I'm all into it, right? Yes. So you can just relate to the story. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. There's just something about I, those movies. I, so. I literally remember as a kid uh-huh. watching it, yeah. hitting rewind on my VCR, yeah. and I watched it back to back. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. on my door was I wrote it on cardboard, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, golden blue through and through, yeah. like. And it, we went. My sister was a really good tennis player, okay. um, and she um, would go to camp every summer at Notre Dame. Okay. Well, this was I was either junior high or just before junior high, and yeah. my parents didn't, didn't let me play football yeah. until I was in sixth grade because yeah. that was back in the day of it yeah. was just by weight. Yeah. So I would have been a fourth grader with like eighth graders, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but um, you know, I remember me and my dad we went for a run it was you know I was fifth grade sixth grade and I was wrestling because that was yep. by age and weight but yep. and we went for a run around campus yep. and I still have pictures to this day and I had my Notre Dame jersey on it was like a practice jersey from somewhere I don't remember but um and I and we had a football and I remember we snuck onto the field uh-huh. and we were we were able to play catch and like uh-huh. be on the field uh-huh. uh and I'll never forget that and yeah. it was just like that was like yeah that was it yeah 
Yeah, it was awesome. I grew up to, for some reason, gravitating and being a Notre Dame fan and, uh, you know, crazy Notre Dame story. And I know it's one of my friends, he sometimes listens to the podcast. His whole family are, are Notre Damers, his mm-hmm. wife, four of his kids, all four of his kids went to Notre Dame. Cool. Um, but my freshman year, a uh, guy down the hall said, I'm going to visit my friend at Notre Dame. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. So we go, we visit, you know, all that do the pictures. Like, I'm mesmerized. Yeah. My, first, my first Division One football game was at Notre Dame. Sweet. They lost the Air Force. We won't talk about that. Sure. But, um, but then years later, we move into our neighborhood in Wisconsin. We get invited to this these family's house for bonfire. We get yeah. to talk about where we went to school. So, you know, I ask him, you know, oh, Notre Dame. And he asked me, you know, Carol, oh, I had a friend, you know, I went to Carol. I'm like, all of a sudden, boom, 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 all the connections. I'm like, I have pictures of your dorm room in my house. Here it was the friend no who way. we went to visit. That's crazy. It was him. That's crazy, right? That is crazy. Um, so, but yeah, I've always I've always loved, there's something about Notre Dame. People either love Notre Dame or they hate Notre Dame. I've always loved the history and tradition yeah. and all that stuff about Notre Dame. I think so. it, I, it has to be the tradition. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just that whatever, you know, whatever... Whatever that is, wake up the echoes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember, I remember, you know, one of my favorite um, times being a being a younger coach was, um, you know, when you're early on in your career, you work summer camps all summer, yeah, right, and that's your way to network. Yeah. And and um, I was really fortunate to work Notre Dame's camp a couple times, and um, that was when uh, Brian Kelly had yeah. had left from Cincinnati. Well, yeah. Brian Kelly, um, there was a, a his offense coordinator at the time who who just recently was. Um, two years ago, the offensive line coach at Notre Dame before Brian Kelly left, um, they were at Grand Valley State and they recruited me out of high school oh. to Grand Valley State, yeah. and and I chose to go to Illinois State, yeah. um, and uh, so I kept in contact. Well, when I got into coaching, I was at Elmhurst. I was a student assistant, and I go to a coaching clinic. It's my first coaching clinic, right? It's in Chicago, so it's a good clinic. There's good speakers. And the offensive line coach from Cincinnati, who's also the offensive coordinator, his name's Jeff Quinn, uh, was speaking. Well, Jeff Quinn was an Elmhurst University graduate. I graduated from Elmhurst, and I rekindled a relationship. And then from there, um, he really took me under his wing for the first couple years. So I worked Cincinnati's camps for three, four years. I actually was offered the job. He was my connection to Greg Carlson, and I was offered the job the first time to come to St. Glasgow while I was working Cincinnati's camp. Oh, wow. So I, I was born in Cincinnati. All my yeah. families lives oh, in Cincinnati. Wow. So it's kind of a weird, yeah. a weird connection. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and then I was able to, with those connections with the coach of Cincinnati, that many of them went to Notre Dame after that with Coach Kelly. I was able to go work um, Notre Dame's camps, and it was like I was like. Working the camp was fine. Besides that, I was like a super fan. Like yeah. I was like, oh, I want to go over here. I want to go over here. I want to go over here. So yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah there's just something. There, there is something about that place that's magical. Yeah, and if you hate Notre Dame, yeah. or you're one of those yeah. anti yeah. fans, like yeah. I don't know how you in in your in your blood could go and see the ceremonial stuff before their game and not a, at least appreciate. Oh, sure. You gotta at least. Appreciate you have to. Yeah. Like there has to be that. Yeah. That respect, you know, Bears fan, Packers fan. I yeah. respect the Packers. <laughs> right. yeah. I don't like them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I respect everything that they've done. Yeah. I respect the players and yeah. etc. Right. Yeah. Um, is yeah. It's just it's just different like that. I respect Walter Payton. Let's just put it, we'll leave it at that. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So questions for me. We've been here almost an hour already. But questions for me that you have anything at all? Um, is in the podcast this way. Yeah. What you know for you. You know, is so far is um, is being a part of this community everything that you've wanted it to be since coming here. Yeah, you know, I, we we talk about you know a place just kind of having an ethos about it, mm-hmm. right? You know, this place is not certainly the most glitzy and glamorous place on the planet, sure. right? Um, if you're if you're looking for that, you know you might you might have found the wrong place. But the people, um, the the Benedictine roots and core, th- that stuff resonates really closely with me. And again, I think my younger self, I didn't. I thought I would do this job for a year or two and then get a real job. You know, I mean, I really that was kind of the thought process. But helping people that 
helping people change the trajectory of their lives mm-hmm. um, is something that's just awesome. It's mm-hmm. awesome to see in the relationships I've built. This, the students, former students that I stay connected with on social media and those kinds of things, like yeah. they mean the world to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, joining this community, I had a sense that it would be, um, compared to even other places that I've been, it, 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 would, it would have that ability to form those really close relationships yeah. on a staff level and the student level. And yeah, that's really come to fruition. I'm still getting to learn the community. I mean, sure. just given my role and kind of the, 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 the enormity of it, it's, it's tough to focus just in on one area. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now it's great because, you know, half a year, a little better than a half a year in, now I see faces and I know names as well, or at right. least I know where they're connected or where I've had conversations with them before. And right. that I'm anxious for that. I was anxious for that on day one, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, but to have that ability. Yeah. And then just the beauty of this area, like yeah. I sent a picture to my wife, you can see Lake Superior out of my window. Oh, and, yeah. You know, just, I said, just look how blue the lake is today. Yeah. Like there's just a beauty about it. And I yeah. think the older I get, like you said, right? You reflect on different things. Different things mean different to you. There's yeah. always your core passions, but yeah. when you have kids and family, like, I don't know, things change. Like now, yeah. it's the motivations are different. I think it'd be really cool to work, you know, via vice president at Notre Dame. Right. Right? But, uh, you know, certainly maybe different kinds of stress right. <laughs> than we have here. But right. I, I don't know. I'd rather build a relationship with a family or do something like we did a couple years ago when a young lady, her mother um, is 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 really battling cancer here yeah. hard in his home hospice. We were able to go to her home and and have a graduation ceremony with yeah. her and her family. Yeah. Like that I would do all day, every day, right. than be able to be on a campus that felt big or pretentious or things like right. that. It's, it's not, I don't care about that right. stuff. Right? Right. It's not about me. It's about these student athletes. That's right. Our students and student athletes yeah. that, we, that we work with. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So long and short of it is, yeah, I think it's it's been that way. There's been a few surprises here and there along the sure. way as well, but... You know, um, that comes with change. It comes with change. Yeah, yeah it comes with change. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What awesome. else? Other things or? It, I don't think so. I, Excellent. I, I think the uh, you know it's it's. I I know that. Um, I am thankful that you're here, and I appreciate that you know you came to Saint Glasgow because, you know, at at the end of the day, it's all about you know, helping people achieve things that they didn't think they were capable of achieving, yeah. right? And yeah. when you're around good energy and you're around good people, that yeah. those things, you know, with hard work happen organically, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's and that's what is is really exciting to me yeah. and uh, about Saints Alaska right now. Yeah. And it but to your point it comes down to the people. Yeah. And um, right now the people that I'm surrounded with every day I feel very fortunate and yeah. The things that we're doing in the program is because of you know football staff and yeah. support staff and yeah. and things like that. So yeah. it's um, kind of funny having you say that to me because I would turn that right back around with you. Sure. Like for me, what motivates me, like all, like I said, all I have to do is sit and talk, hear you talk about your program, and I'm yeah. ready to run through a brick wall. Right? Sure. But again, I think just yeah, really good people, and I think the best that, the best thing that I could say to you is if my sons would have played football yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different podcast story we could have about that sure. but um if they'd have played football and they were considering joining your program without hesitation yeah. <laughs> without hesitation the yeah. work that you do with your student athletes both on the field but off the field um is inspiring so thank you for all you do for mm-hmm. the place and for these young men and for this you know and, and supporting the the sport that you know, certainly that I probably rises to the top. I love all sport, but there's sure. just something about about football. So, yeah. um, but anyway, thanks for being you and all you do and and uh, making this place successful. Yeah. So, thank yeah, you. I appreciate, really appreciate that. It. Good. Well, that's an hour from Tower Podcast this week. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for listening.